Welcome to the OKC Community Podcast. We are so glad you're here. To get the latest updates or to watch this week's message, visit our website at okccommunitychurch.com. <laughs> oh, it's good, right? Well, once again, thanks for being here. And, uh, and Stephen, thanks for leading us in worship today. That was awesome. And if you're at home, if you're online, thanks for joining us today. We're grateful, uh, of course, for everybody that's, that's here. And we hope you had a great Christmas, of course. Um, and I know some of you are probably still in Christmas mode and you're going to a Christmas party today or tomorrow. And some of you are like, I'm done. <laughs> you know what I mean? I put the Christmas tree up. It was two days ago, you know, and you're moving on. So wherever you're at on that spectrum, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, all those good things. Well, you know, as you just saw in that video, we are uh, starting 2021 with a lot of intention and a lot of hope to see renewal happen in our heart, mind, soul, and strength. And, you know, we're just, we're just praying for a lot of things because we believe there's always more growth. We believe there's always more that God wants to, to, to show us. There's always more hunger. There's always more thirst. There's always more life that God has for us. And so we want to begin the year pursuing that. And so <clears throat> join us next week. As we start renewal, it's going to be great. It's all those good things. Well, today, though, is the final Sunday of 2020. So I think it's important for all of us to take a deep breath together. We'll make it a COVID-cautious one, so just a little deep breath. But we're going to take just a deep breath to kind of exhale for just a second. You all ready? Let's do this together. I would usually do a really big breath, but we just did a little mini breath. Man, 2020 is unforgettable for so many reasons. And today, I'm not going to do a year in review. This isn't some entertainment tonight, year in review kind of thing that I want to do. Because we all know what this year was all about. And we all know that we've talked it to death. Um, and we also know that a lot of those things are going straight into 2021 with us. And so, uh, but, you know, so we, we still, we're still carrying a lot of the things that we, we started to carry in 2020 into this next year, but, but I do believe we're at a moment that I feel like, you know, today would be a good day to talk, if you will, to pause uh, as we end 2020 and to create a bit of a different experience. And, you know, I mentioned at the beginning, we didn't, we didn't do worship differently just because it was easier. We didn't do it to give the band a break, although they deserve one. Um, we didn't do it for those reasons. We did it with an intentional focus to say, what if we could create uh, something that would kind of help us stop in our tracks for a minute help us worship in a, in a different way, but also create a visual point that sometimes you have to stop business as usual. You know what I mean? Sometimes we have to keep going through the normal routine. Sometimes we need to get, we need, to, we need help getting out of the ruts we're in. Sometimes we need to take a step back so we know how to move forward. I'm going to give you all these cliches, right? Sometimes you need to change things up in order to break off the, the ruts you're in or break off the rust you have or, to, or to, to even get the rot off of you. Sometimes you just gotta shake it off. And here's the thing, changing up the routine is necessary, is a necessary practice of life. You gotta, you gotta create changes in your life. And so today I wanna do that. I wanna talk about change. Everyone say change. change. Everyone say change one more time. Everyone say change. change. I wanna talk about change because you and I are constantly changing throughout the duration of our life. 
We're constantly changing. We're changing the way we look. <laughs> We're changing the way we dress. We change the way, I mean, have you ever looked at a picture of yourself from just 15 years ago? You're like, that, why does that look like that's from 80 years ago, right? And you know, we change constantly. We even change the way we think. I remember when I was a kid, I would go to school and they talked about nine planets. And the ninth planet was Pluto. And then for 15 years, Pluto wasn't a planet anymore, so we were all supposed to retrain the way we think. Now it's a planet again, by the way. It's a dwarf planet. It's the ninth planet. And pretty soon it's going to be little people planet because we don't want to call anybody dwarves. And so it's a little person planet. And it's always my ninth planet. Just saying, we change the way we think. The other day, Grayson, a seven-year-old, he and I were having a conversation. And he said, hey, Dad, I learned the five oceans today. And I'm like, what? And he goes, yeah, you know, Atlantic, Pacific, Indian, Arctic, Southern Ocean. And I'm like, no. There's four oceans. There's four oceans, son. He's like, no, 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 there's, dad, there's five oceans. I'm like, no, there's not. I know this faux show. I am a geography sort of nerd. I know there's only four oceans. I I know this. And so whenever there, what do you do whenever there's there's a dispute over the truth? You Google it up. And so we Googled it up. and, And of course, what did we discover? That there are five oceans in 2020. And I was like, what, what happened? I've grown up with four oceans, so I Googled a little further, and apparently in the year 2000, the, yas, the last year of my educational experience, by the way, that's when I graduated college, they decided that they were going to go ahead and name a fifth ocean that somehow miraculously appeared. I don't really know, because the water's always been there, but they named it the Southern Ocean, and I was like, hold on, what? So for the last 20 years, I've lived ignorant of a change that was made. So there's a couple things that you can learn from this. One, I'm getting old. Two, I'm out of date. Three, my kid is now smarter than I am, right? And so here's the deal. (laughs) Here's the deal. I'm embarrassed about sometimes you can't keep up with all the changes that are happening. Change is always happening. But here's, here's what I know. Not only is it the point that things change, but I believe for most of us, most of the time, change is necessary. We actually need to change. We actually need things to stir us up. We need things to help us evolve, if you will. And change can be a good thing. So see, the way of life that Jesus came to bring, when he announced his kingdom, when he said, said, hey, repent, believe the good news, the kingdom of God is near, that announcement in chapter, uh, chapter one of the book of Mark was an announcement of change. He was like, listen, you've been living one way of life under one kingdom, but I'm about to show you God's way and God's kingdom. The kingdom of God is near. So it was an announcement of change, like things are changing, and I'm going to initiate a new way. And so when Jesus announces this, he invites us into this change. And so today, I think this December 27th, 2020, it can serve as a pivot point for us. We are wrapping up this teaching series. We've been going 17 weeks strong in this way of life teaching series. It's the last Sunday of a a really different, most kind of incredible year in a lot of ways and different year. But we also are on the brink of an intentional hope as a church to kind of start something fresh, to see something new happening and renewals of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. So I wanted this moment today to, to serve us in an important way. I, I think we could call this moment kind of a moment of transition for us as a church body to say, hey, we're moving from one thing to another. And so what could that mean for us spiritually? 
So as I prepared for today, I sort of had this picture in my mind of a, of a, of a mountain climber trying to get higher. And, you know, as they get higher, there's a process that happens in mountaineering called acclimatization. Now, in, course, in, in case you aren't familiar with your, your mountaineering terms, let me just define it for you. Acclimatization means this. It's the process or result of becoming accustomed to a new climate or new conditions. Right? So the process or result of becoming accustomed to a new climate or new conditions. Now, if you know me, at least once a year, I like to work in an Everest illustration. It just speaks to my heart. And so these stories fascinate me. But one of the things you learn about when you watch Everest documentaries, like the one I want to put up here right now, is one of the things you learn about is you'll see these climbers, they're going up, and they stay at different camps along the way up Everest. There's actually five different camps up the mountain of Mount Everest. Now, most famously, there's the base camp, but you have five more as you ascend towards the summit. And what happens is these climbers will stay a couple nights at these camps to acclimatize to the new elevation. A process of change is happening within their body in which their lungs are adjusting to the reduced levels of oxygen in order to survive for the next climb. And so what happens is sometimes, maybe to stay with you, sometimes these climbers will not be able to make the ascent to Everest because if they shortchange the process, if they shortchange the process, they'll either have a really bad case of altitude sickness or in, in, in really bad cases, they'll actually lose their life because they will not allow their lungs to adjust and therefore they will, won't be able to handle the reduced levels of oxygen and they'll die. So a lot of times though, when the climbers go up, they actually climb up an extra two or 3,000 feet and then they climb back down to stay at one of these camps so they can acclimatize for another night before they try and go higher. So how many of you know that when you wanna go higher, you may have to occasionally take a step back you may have to get quiet. You may have to stop business as usual in order to know and enable you to go to the next level. How many of you know that spiritually speaking, the higher we climb, the more intentional we become about the changes that are going on in our life in our hearts, minds, and souls, meaning the deeper commitment we make to the ways of Jesus, the more acclimatizing we're going to have to do. Are you with me? Are you all following me today? Is this making some sense? Because here's the deal. This is a moment of transition in which we can ask ourselves, does God want to acclimatize a, a process of acclimatization to happen within me in which I'm enabling myself to go higher than where I was before? So these Everest climbers, the dedication to playing, the commitment to discipline, the courage that they have, it's, it's, it's actually fascinating to me. It's inspiring. And it has always fascinated me because it, I resonate with it because it has this, a lot of spiritual journey undertones and kind of parallels. The commitment to get to the summit, if you will, of Everest, it's, it's inspiring what they have to go through. But I've always wondered, like, what if my summit, what if your summit was like being everything God created me to be? And what kind of dedication and commitment and discipline would it take to get to that summit? It takes incredible discipline, of course, and courage and all those things to get to the summit of a, of a mountain peak, the highest peak in the world. We all know that. But have we ever really 
seen everything that God's created me to be. That's my summit. I'm going for it. And there's going to be seasons in which I have to be willing to adapt to the changes that God wants to do in me because this isn't going to be like he changed me once and now I'm good. No, there's going to be a process of change as I get higher and higher and closer to the summit that God has set for me. So in the Gospel of Luke, there are three stories basically right in a row that are about change. And if you've been in church for any amount of time, you know these stories. They're very familiar stories. Uh, but I just want to touch on them. You have, of course, or first you have the story of the rich young ruler, followed by the story of the blind man receiving his sight, and then followed up by the story of Zacchaeus. So I just want to jump into these real quick. We're talking about change. Let's begin in Luke 18, verse 18. A certain ruler asked him, speaking to Jesus, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? In other words, I want to climb higher. <laughs> he says, why do you call me good? Jesus answered, no one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shouldn't commit adultery. You shouldn't murder. Don't steal. Don't give false testimony, meaning don't lie. Honor your mom and dad. <laughs> All these things I have kept since I was a boy, he said. And when Jesus heard this, he said to them, but you still lack one thing. Sell everything you have, give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. And when he heard this, he became very sad because he was very wealthy. Now, at first glance, this, is, can, be, this can seem like a story about wealth, about money in some way, which Jesus is trying to say here. But it's actually a story about change. Is this person willing to change what's most important to him? Is a person willing to change where they find their identity in or where they find their personal worth in? Because here's what you got to know about the rich young ruler. More than likely, you can be assumed that this guy had found a lot of identity and self-worth in the fact that he was a ruler, the fact that he had a lot of wealth, and so he put a lot of his value in that. And Jesus said, listen, you lack one thing. You've been ruling your life, but you need to allow God to rule your life from this point forward. He said, you've been trusting in what you have, but you need to trust in the fact that God has you. And so he gives them these really clear pictures, like I need change to occur in you, and it's a pretty dramatic change for this guy. But in this particular story, change doesn't happen. The guy walks away sad. He can't imagine that sort of dedication to the ascent, to the summit. It's just too much for him. It's too high of a cost. So he walks away, unchanged. Let's look at the next story. I'm gonna go through these pretty quickly. Again, Luke puts these right in a row. Luke, Luke 18, verse 35, we come to the story of the blind man. Now, I did a whole sermon on this story not that long ago, so I'm just gonna to touch on it. But we need to because it's another story of change. He says, as Jesus approached Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the, by the roadside begging. When he heard the crowd going by, he asked, what was happening? And they told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. And he called out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Those who led the way rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and ordered the man to be brought to him. When he came near, Jesus asked him, what do you want me to do for you? That's the question, you remember, if you were here a few weeks ago, we really focused on. He said, what do you want me to do for you? And of course, he said, Lord, I want to see. Jesus said to him, 
Receive your sight. Your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus, praising God. When all the people saw it, they also praised God. I love that line. Everyone's praising God right at this moment, right? This isn't just another incredible story of Jesus miraculously healing someone. It is a story of change. There was a moment where this guy couldn't see, and then there was a moment where he could see. This is obviously a moment of dramatic change. But I find the story right after the rich young ruler a little bit unsettling. I'm trying to kind of reconcile the two. In one story, he looks at the rich young ruler when he asks him for something dramatic, and he says, oh, before I can give that to you, you got to go do this, this, and that. But in this story, he looks at the guy, and he says, what do you want me to do for you? And he says, I want to see. And he says, boom, you're healed. Why, what, what's, what's the difference? Why is Jesus interacting with these two people differently? Why has change happened different? Well, one of the things you'll encounter when you read the gospel stories is that not all change is the same. Not, all, not every change that happens within you happens the same exact way. We'll get more into that in a moment because that's a really good point. Thanks for bringing that up. There are different types of change. So let's look at the Zacchaeus story, then we'll draw some, some conclusions from all this. Luke chapter 19, verse 1. So this is a story right after the blind man. Again, three stories in a row. Immediately after the story of the blind man, we come, we see the city of Jericho again, which is where the blind man was. So the way it reads, it is likely the same day, the same city, probably the same people involved in this story. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through, and a man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he was a wee, a wee little man, you know what I mean? A wee little man was he. Because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead, climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter. Mutter, mutter, complain, complain, right? He has gone to be a guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay them back four times the amount. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is the son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. So this is another story of change. This time the man has changed before Jesus asked him to do anything. This time the change happened because the man, Zacchaeus, wanted to change. So you have three stories of change. The first story was a fail, a failed change, right? The second story, there was a change that happened to the person. Everyone say to the person. The third story was a change that happened because of the person. Everyone say because of the person. You see, here's the thing. You see, sometimes things happen to us in life, and other times things happen because of us. Some of us have things that have happened to us, haven't we? Some, it's not all good. Some of it's bad, right? Some of us have been hurt. Some of us have experienced abuse, and those are things that happen to you. Some of us have had just a situation thrown at us in life that just like, how did that, why am I the one that has to deal with this? It feels like things happen to you. And some of it's bad, but some of it's also good. There's others of us that have had a lot of good happen to us. 
Maybe we've had a, a mixed bag of good and bad that have happened to us. Some of you just were born into a, a family with great parents. You didn't have anything to do with that, but it happened to you. Some of you just were born into a situation in which you didn't have to really fight and scrape your way out of a pit. That, you didn't have anything to do with that. You were already set up on your feet before you ever took a breath. You didn't have anything to do with that. It happened to you. Some of you just had good things happen. I mean, that's the thing. We have things that happen to us, just like whenever this moment happened with the blind man, when he says, your faith has healed you, and zap, <laughs> you know, the man is healed. Reminds me when Christy, a few years ago, she, she had this really bad foot pain. She's told this story before, but bad foot pain wouldn't go away. The doctors were giving her like these foot exercises with tennis balls. They weren't working. And so she, we go to a worship night, and someone prays over her foot, and it's instantaneously healed. There are some things that happen to us. Yeah. Are you with me? Yeah. And so there are things that happen in life in which God says, I, okay, yeah, you need breakthrough, you need healing. And he says, eh, we're going to skip a few steps. You know what I mean? That's what healing and breakthrough do. And whenever you have this moment when Jesus supernaturally brings about change, where he does most, if not all, of the heavy lifting, most of all of us would love to experience change like that. Whereas it's like, wow, can you believe what God did? Some of us have experienced that. Some of us are praying for that. Many of us in this room, I, I would say there's a lot of us in this room that either personally or we know someone close to us that needs healing in, our li in their life. And we're just saying, God, can you do this? Someone needs breakthrough in your life and you're just like, God, I, you, we need to go from here to there fast. And there are things that happen to us that God does at times. Thank God for the change. And you know how we react to that kind of change? The, what the blind men and all the people watching did, they praise God. We say, God, I, we had nothing to do with this. We praise you. This happened to us because you love us. That's one type of change. But I want to talk for a moment about this other type of change that happens because of us. Because there's some changes that happen because of us. Sometimes there's bad things that happen in this world and good things that happen in this world because of you, <laughs> because of me and the choices we make. You see, God gave us the freedom to choose, didn't he? He gave us a free will to choose things. In fact, it's, it, he even gives us a free will on how we relate with him. Will we allow Jesus to work in our heart, to renew us, to revive us, to restore us? Will we allow him to do that? Because we can put, we can put the, the blockades up. And God says, you know what, that's okay. You know what, that's why I put a tree in the garden. I put a tree in the garden because I believe I want a relationship with someone who wants to choose me. Yeah. And so when he said, Adam and Eve, I'm putting this tree in the garden. You, can't, you, can, you can eat from anything else, but you can't eat from this. It was a choice that he gave to Adam and Eve because he was saying, listen, I'm, I, I love you enough to make you someone that, that, that we can have a real relationship with one another. So he gives us the free will to choose out of love. Now, this is a very difficult kind of concept because now we're talking about free will. And when you talk about free will, you got to talk about the sovereignty of God. Yeah. So who's really in control? Is God's choices and the sovereignty that he has really what's controlling the world? Or is it my free will? Because I apparently have the freedom to be able to choose whatever I wanted to do. So which one wins out? And it gets a little bit tricky. Yeah. But see, there's something really cool about this that I actually believe that God has the foreknowledge and the power, and he's predestined a lot of things, but he has this sovereign ability to know all things, yet he has a love that's deep enough to make us like sons and daughters with a free will and freedom and autonomy to choose him. 
And even though he gives us that free will, he knows and he's powerful enough to know who chooses him. And there's going to be things that happen in life, and this is the way it works. There's going to be things that happen in life. Because anytime I get into the Gospels and I'm reminded of all the changes I need to make to follow the ways of Jesus, I realize I have a lot of changes I need to do, a lot of changes I make, and I realize something really fast. There are some changes that are going to happen because God is sovereign and he will will them for me. And there are some changes that are going to happen that he's left in my autonomous free will to choose to do or not. And I just can't, I can't reconcile the tension of those two things any, other, any differently. That God says, you know what? You're going to live with this understanding that I'm all-powerful and I'm all-knowing, but I love you enough to let you make your own decisions at times. Sometimes he's going to intervene. And why does this matter? It matters because when we talk about change, you have to realize, hey, man, there's going to be some things that God does, and that's just praise the Lord for it. And there's going to be some things that he's going, it's up to you. Do you want to go higher? Do you want to acclimatize? Will you do the process that it takes to get to the next level or not? Do you care about the summit or not? That's what I love about this Zacchaeus story. Here's a man who's a tax collector, right? He's the chief tax collector which a lot of you already know a little bit about tax collectors. They're in, this, they're in the Bible quite a bit. The chief tax collector is like, of course, the boss of all the tax collectors. And <clears throat> tax collectors in Jewish society would have been some of the most despised people in the community because their job was essentially they were, they were betraying, they were a traitor to their own people. They were working for the Roman government and they were going around and they were banging on doors and pinning people to walls and demanding money from them, their taxes. So he may have been short, but the dude was stout. You know what I'm saying? And he was like, give me your money. And here's what he would do. He would say, I'm going to spike the cost up. The Roman government, they're only charging 20 denarii for the month, but I'm charging you 30. And if you don't like it, you can talk to, you know, thunder and lightning here. You know what I mean? And so he says, so he gets his 30 denarii. He takes the cut, right? Every person he steals from. So whenever he's this is a big deal. He's despised. So whenever you see this fact that Jesus showed him a kindness and a love to even go over to his house, that's a powerful picture of God's love for everyone, by the way. And much like the rich young ruler, don't you think Zacchaeus's identity and his worth was wrapped up in what he did and who he was and the money that he had made? You ever find people that get so deep into what they're doing, they don't know how to change anymore. They're like, I don't even know how to get out of this. I'm so deep. How could I actually change? That's a very common thing. But here he is, this wealthy man, and he made a choice that, by the way, was very similar to what Jesus told the rich young ruler to do. He said, hey, I want you to give all your money away to the poor, which seems so crazy. And here's Zacchaeus, and he says, hey, I'm going to give. I'll just read it again. Luke 19, verse 8. Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. So 
think about this change. It's similar to what Jesus called the rich young rulers, right? He's like, so he's given his, 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 his half of his wealth to the poor, and then he's saying, anybody I cheated, I'm going to give them four times back, which is probably the rest of his half. He's giving everything away. Are you with me? He goes all in. He reorients his life, his identity, his resources, his purpose, and his passion. In other words, some changes happen because of us. Are we willing to live, to train, to dedicate, to commit to the summit? The higher we go, the more change will happen, the more acclimatizing we'll have to do. And I believe this is a good thing. Because God, I I believe through Christ, what we find is that there is always more. And that God always has more for us. There are better days ahead, more passion, more purpose, more life. And it's the belief that the journey, no matter what we experience along the way, no matter what changes have to take place, no matter what we feel like they cost us in the short run, they're all worth it in the long run. You know, one of my favorite things about the Everest story, I've told this before, but when I first started watching these silly documentaries, I remember watching about a team that it was chronicling their adventure up the mountain, and they sacrificed so much along the way. I mean, most of them will experience frostbite, a lot of them will lose fingers or toes or noses or ears or whatever, right? And then at the end of the season of this documentary I was watching, they're all being interviewed like, hey, was, the, was it worth it? That was the question at one point. And, you know, they're sitting there with nubs for hand and skin graft noses and missing ears. And they say, every last one of them say, yes, the journey was worth it. And I always have loved that moment because I'm like, listen, the cost of following Christ is not, is not absent. There's a cost. There's a cost to it. But am I willing to pay the price? Not because I'm just willing to lay my life down, but I'm willing to lay my life down for a greater purpose in Christ. That I know that the summit will always be worth it. There will nothing, nothing else will be better than that. I consider all things lost compared to the greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. It's all rubbish. It's all trash. So what changes must I make in order to be willing to do what God's calling me to next? So today, we pause. We take a step back. We get quiet. Imagine it's like almost like, it's like we climbed up and now we've retreated back down to camp, right? To get ready for the higher climb. And we have this question that I want to present to you, and it's a really simple question, but it's how is Jesus changing you? How is he changing you? We got to catch our breath at times so we can actually consider questions like that. I believe a lot of us have to reorient ourselves to some new conditions. 2020 has created some new conditions. A new year gives us an opportunity for some new conditions, and so it is this picture of preparing our bodies, our minds, our souls, readjusting to all that's going on around us. You know, we spent 17 weeks in about talking about the way of life that Jesus has, because he does have a way for your life. And I just know that the way ahead may need some change for you. It just, it, just, it just comes with the territory ever since his announcement of the kingdom. It's a way of change. 
But Jesus did say, didn't he? He said, hey, come to me, all who are weary and heavy burdened, I will give you rest. Jesus did say, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father through me. You see, the way of Jesus is the way of life. That's just, that's just what we find in the Gospels. That's what we've been doing for, for the last number of months is just kind of reminding ourselves and kind of centering ourselves on this realization that we don't have to figure it out. God's already figured it out. That all we have to do is just continue to choose him. Because some things happen to us, but some things happen because of us. And I know that every time I choose God, every time I choose Jesus and his ways, it's worth every step. I want to read a couple scriptures to close with. Psalm 32, 8 says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. God will show you. He'll teach you. The Holy Spirit will counsel you along the way. And then the perfect verse for the season we're in, for the time that's ahead of us, Isaiah 43, 19. I love this verse. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. You know, he's creating, I think these new conditions, we think it's the world creating them. What if it's God? What if God is creating new conditions? And what if we must get ready for what God has next? What if we have to look up and go, wow, okay, I have a climb ahead of me, but it's going to be worth it. So I got to get my body ready. I got to get my soul ready. So what does Jesus want to change in you? couple thoughts and then I'll pray. But this, just in case you weren't ready to think about changes, maybe it's the way you spend your time. I mean, think about that, right? I, I literally was struck the other day, I was, I was watching a movie and we finished watching the movie and it was, you know, around two hours, like most movies. And I just gave that time to a movie so easily. I do it all the time because I enjoy it. But yet I, I struggle with the idea of like, oh, I'm going to get up and give an hour to the Lord. I'm like, I can't give that. I don't, I don't have the time for that. So I rush on, but then I give time away to things that are way less important so easily. But the time that I try and dedicate to the Lord, it's, it's so, so difficult to, to just prioritize. So maybe it's the way you spend your time. Maybe it's the way you spend your money. Same thing could be said. We spend our money so easily on things that just don't matter. But yet we struggle like clutch fists to just say, Lord, I'm going to give you my first fruits. I'm going to give you my tithe. I'm going to give to you because I trust you and I want you to be first in my life and it begins with my money. So maybe that's a change. Maybe it's a change for where you place your value in. You know, the rich young ruler is a great example of someone who placed their value and their identity in the wrong thing. Maybe it's, maybe it's changes in small things that you do day to day. Maybe it's big things in like your career or something like that that might take some time. Maybe it's an attitude towards someone or something you do. And maybe it's just, you know, adopting fruits of the spirit. Maybe it's the joy that, you know, you live with. Or, or maybe it's a bad habit or practice. Maybe it's words that you say or things that you drink or 
things that you eat and, and perhaps for you to begin the years to say, I got to get, get my physical sort of um, priorities right so I can be spiritually kind of um, focused as well. And so sometimes we gotta, we, there's a lot of changes that have to happen for all of us. And it's not, it's not to beat us up to say our life is bad. It's to realize that there's something that God has for us, ahead of us. And we're willing to step into it. So some, some changes happen to us. Praise God. Right? And some changes happen because of us. God allows us the choice to choose him. So my friends, let's pray. And whenever we get done, we're going to sing about the way maker, the one who makes a way in the wilderness, the one who creates streams in the wasteland. And this altar's open. You can come and pray. And you can say, Lord, I'm giving you 2021. Let's do this. I'm ready. Our prayer team will be here if you want to pray with someone or you can just pray on your own. But would you join me in prayer? Father, we just want to draw a line in the sand. I think everybody in the room, we all have the opportunity to do that, to say, even if life is going great, even if our commitments to you are amazing, Lord, I know that there's always something that you're calling us to. And so we have this sort of rhythm of the calendar, rhythm of time in our world that we get to the opportunity right now, Father, to just kind of realize that, Lord, you might have something new for us. And so we just pray that today we would consider this thought, what do you want to change in us? What do you have for us next? What do you want to renew? Where do you want to take us? And I just pray, Lord, that you would put that in our heart and that we would leave today or we in these next few days just be captured with this, this, this vision of the summit that you're calling us to, that we would go after it with commitment and dedication and courage, faithfulness. So, Lord, we, uh, we ask your Holy Spirit to move in our hearts to do the work that only you can do so that we can go and do the work you've called us to do. Lord, we pray these things in your name. Amen. Would you stand with us? Let's worship. Respond to the Lord. The altar's open. Feel free to move in this room. We hope you've enjoyed this week's message. If there's anything we can pray with you about, or if you have questions about God, we'd love to talk with you. Please visit our contact page at okccommunitychurch.com.